it is a great privilege to be able to sing the praises, say the praises of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why don't we open up with a word of prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are grateful to be able to gather as your church, the body and pride of Christ. Lord, help us to listen to your words. May they ring true. May they prick our hearts and may our ears be attentive and listen to your voice and your spirit as we dive into your word. We ask these things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, I grew up uh, a very humble beginning. I grew up in the northeastern plains of Colorado, out in the rural farmland, uh, about 60 miles from the nearest McDonald's and Walmart, so way out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, we didn't have much growing up. Um, my mom and dad, uh, my dad was a pastor, and uh, we didn't ever get a lot of new clothes. Uh, a lot of things were handed down or given to us. Uh, even shoes were sort of sometimes secondhand. So that was sort of commonplace. But I remember one time um, I had started working a job and I decided to go to the big city of about 10,000, which was about an hour away. Uh, for me, that was a big event. And I went into uh, a clothing shop there and, and I bought myself brand new pairs of jeans. Those jeans back then probably cost around $30, $35, which was a lot of money for me. Um, but I just, I was just amazed. I was just sort of in awe of like buying these brand new pairs of jeans and being able to wear something of my own for the very first time. It was a pretty big event in my life being able to purchase these brand new jeans. Maybe you guys have similar type of things, you know, maybe new shoes or a new jacket or whatever it may be. You know, there might be some sort of instance of, of just purchasing something, new clothes. It just feels really good putting on those, that brand new shirt or shoes or, or whatever it may be. And as we dive into God's Word today, Paul sort of gives us the imagery out of Colossians here of taking off new old clothes and putting on new clothes. So, let's read the Word of God this morning in Colossians 3. We'll start in verse 1, uh, up there on the, your TV screen, it might say starting in uh, verse 5, but we'll just read through verse 1 all the way through 17 this morning. God's Word says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ is who your life appears, then also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved and compassionate hearts, kindness, 
humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of God, or peace of Christ, rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So this morning I just want to cover three primary points out of the selected scripture we have here. The first point is going to be seek things from above. We'll see those in the first four verses. And the second point will be over take off the old, the old clothes here, verses 5 through 9. And the third point will be putting on the new, verses 10 through 17. So let's talk about seeking things from above, Colossians 1 through 4 here. If you see here in verse 1, if uh, you have been raised with Christ, if you have been right there, is a past tense. This is something that has already taken place. And Paul is talking, if we look at the book of Colossians here, he's talking to the church of Colossae, which uh, they are believers. This is a church he's talking to. So he's talking about something that has already taken place, past tense. They have been raised with Christ. The imagery here of, of Christ's death and, and resurrection here. We have been raised in Christ together. Paul is addressing believers here. Regenerative Christians are to seek the things that are above uh, and not things of this earth. We look at this in verse 2. Set your minds on things above and not on things of this earth. And that's easy for us to do, to, to fall prey to, to think of you know, what's going on in the world. We, we see here, we watch the news. You know, it can, we can be drawn into the world. And, and Paul recognized this even you know, 2,000 years ago of how we can be sucked in. We can be drawn into the world. But Paul is encouraging the believers to not put our, our minds on worries and cares of this world, but of things that are above, the things of heavenly things. Why are we to think of these things? We, we see the answers if we ask this question, because Christ is seated at the right hand of God. How are we to do these things? We are to set our minds on things above, so we are to think about these things, meditate on them, you know, sort of wrestle around with them. Christians ought to be heavenly focused, not thinking about the world all the time. We're not to be consumed by this world. We're not to be so easily enticed, and we'll talk a lot about sort of the list of sin that Paul puts forward in front of us. Paul is also reminding that if we have been raised with Christ, then we should be doing something as well. Right? There's a consequence for if we're raised with Christ. There's something we should be doing. We're going to talk a lot about the old man or the old clothes, the new man. The old man has died here in the first few verses. And we are to be hidden with Christ. Verse 3, hidden with Christ. That's a unique term in the New Testament, uh, to be hidden with Christ. It's only used maybe once or twice, and both of those instances are used by Paul himself. Uh, this is sort of to give us 
a, uh, a sense of, of uh, security in our salvation, what Christ has done for us. It's not necessarily about physical harm coming against us and we're sort of uh, rescued from that or safe from that. But, but our salvation, it, we can rest assured, we can, be trust, uh, we can trust in the Word of God and what He has to say about our salvation. Verse 4, we see when Christ is our life, then we will see Him in glory. This is the assurance that comes along with it. That we can assure that one day, our great hope of seeing Christ with our own eyes once again. These will be heavenly things that we're thinking about, right? This is our great hope of a Christian that the world just simply does not have. You know, the world has, you know, maybe there's absolutely nothing after eternity. You know, once, once you're dead, you know, we, we eat, live, and be merry for tomorrow we die. You know, that's, that's not much hope other than right here and now. But we as Christians, we have a great hope we find in the resurrected Christ and seeing Him once again in glory. So we're to have our desires on things above, heavenly things, things that are pleasing to God. However, there are things that draw us away from Him. I think we've all had these experiences and, uh, uh, of things that draw us into this world, habits and sins that are displeasing to God. So Paul, in this next section here, addresses these issues. So... If we look at, uh, as we flip through here in Colossians uh, 3, 5 through 9, we see that our old clothes stink. Anybody put on old clothes or have on old clothes after a hard day's worth of work? You're like, you're ready to get out of those things. You get home, you know, you might be exhausted and beat, but you just do not want those, those nasty clothes on anymore, do you? I've worked plenty of dirty jobs. Anybody ever watch Mike Rowe and Dirty Jobs? Back in the day, you know, he did a bunch of nasty, disgusting, smelly jobs. Well, I've done quite a few of those in my lifetime as well. You know, um, I can remember working on the farm and, and cleaning out uh, pits and then just smelling terrible and, and uh, doing construction and, and getting, you know, greases and, and whatever else. And it's just, it's just you're ready to be done. You're ready to get home and shower and change out of those dirty clothes. Well, in much the same way, the sins that, that we put on or have in our old nature, our old man, are like dirty clothes. And that's sort of the imagery that Paul is giving us here. Let's look at this. Verse 5, it says, therefore. So we're sort of, he's echoing back to the beginning of, you know, we have been raised with Christ. Therefore, this is, this is what we're to be uh, consider and, and wrestle with. Therefore, since we have been raised with Christ, we must put to death sinful behaviors. Uh, the NASB Bible says, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead too. And this might be a, maybe a little bit better rendering in our English as to consider the members. Um, my version says in verse 5, to put to death. That's sort of like an active tense, like we're actively doing that right here. But um, the... Uh, Probably a little bit better accurate translation is to consider something that's already been done for us in the past. We as Christians who are regenerate, these things we are to consider, think about these things that Christ has nailed to the cross for us. We also see uh, reflections of Romans 6.11 here. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Something that's already been done for us. Our identity should not be in those sins that we, we've, been, we've had in the past or continue to maybe even you know, struggle with presently in our life. 
Christians, I got this from a, a scholar here, and I, I thought this was really good. He said, they, Christians, are now a new creation in Christ and are to act in confidence that God will supply the new creational ability to fulfill the commands with which they are addressed. So we, these things have been put to death, and he's given us the ability. He's given us the way of escape away from these sinful habits. So what are these earthly bodies that are to be considered dead? Verse 5, we are to what? To lay aside sexual immorality. Uh, some versions may have immorality just there plain. Uh, the actual Greek word, and this is the only Greek word that I'm going to pull. I'm not a Greek scholar whatsoever. Uh, but I found this one really interesting when I was looking at as porneia. That's where we get the word pornography from. So immorality here is porneia or where we get pornography from. And this gives a sense of all sexual sins outside the context, inside the marriage covenantal relationship between a man and his wife. Uh, so all. That encompasses quite a few things. In fact, uh, you can note the first five sins that we see here in, in verse 5, uh, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, all of those can be seen within inside a sexual nature or context right there. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, all these things can. Um, all of these are a violation of God's holy law, are they not? We think of, you know, the, the Ten Commandments uh, growing up. You know, those were sort of drilled into my head, of, you know, not to commit one of the, one of the sins of the Ten Commandments. Uh, the, the one that I, I think of is, thou shalt not commit adultery. That's out of Exodus 20, 14. You know, these are violations against God's holy law to commit sexual sins. And we also think of Christ, how he sort of thought of sexual sins, not just adultery, you know, outside of the marriage context there, but in Matthew 5.28, he would have noted, you know, if you even think or lust after a woman, you've already committed adultery with her. So he goes beyond just the actual physical act here, but it's also what we think, what we desire, what we want. These can become sin as well for us. First Corinthians says uh, six fifteen through twenty. You don't have to flip there, but I'll read this for you. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or would you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So here Paul is urging us to flee from sexual immorality and to go to Christ because there's something sacred about our own body. You know, it's been bought by a price through the washing of the blood through Jesus Christ. Sexual sins are linked to idolatry. If we continue to go through Colossians here as well, we see that uh, all these five lists here at the beginning, impurity, passion, evil, desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. So you're in violation once again of God's holy law 
by committing these sins, which uh, is a violation of idolatry. You know, we could think of inside the, the Ten Commandments the violation of, of the first three against God himself, you know. No other gods. Uh, idolatry, you know, we're having another god before him. Um, if we think of, uh, um, of, of uh, no other gods before him, not to have an actual idol before him, that's a violation of that. If we think of not to have uh, no vain word that comes out of him, we're, we're speaking in vanity against God because we are not taking him at his word there. So... As we continue on here, we see that these are grave and evil, wicked things that we should be abhorring in our own lives. And we see this warning that continues here that Paul addresses, a warning in verse 6. It says, On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. So the wrath of God, this sounds pretty serious, you know. If we think of the God who created the heavens and the earth and the universe and the wrath of him for committing sins, these wicked, evil deeds, are worthy of punishment. And, but Paul sort of gives a, a little bit of hope here. He says, you know, in verse 7, in these you too once walked. So he's saying, you did have these things. These things were a part of your life. You were in the world. These sins sort of were your identity. However, you're no longer in those things. Let's continue. Paul actually gives us another list, a second series of lists here, verses 8 through 9. It says, this list isn't all comprehensive. It's sort of be impossible for us to go over all the things that violate God's holy nature and law, right? It'd take us a, a really long list. And uh, that's not Paul's intent here is to list absolutely everything. Uh, but he does give us a few other things are, that are non-sexual in nature here. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, and lying. Different things that violate. So not only are we committing sins against God, but we're also committing sins against one another here that Paul is addressing. So our relationship up, you know, vertical and horizontal. We see both of those. These sins are detrimental to our relationships with, with one another. How many have been affected by someone that they know, a friend, a family member, who has slandered them or lied against them? We know this, is, this ruins, this, this, is, this destroys relationships, does it not? We all can sort of attest to these type of things happening in our lives. Uh, those whose hearts have not been created anew are unable to respond to commands intended for those who have become a part of new creation. So we can try our best. The world can try their best. They can mask over, you know, put on a good face. They can seem to do good things and stuff like that. But ultimately, it's deep down inside, their core is still rotten, wicked, and evil there. You know, they can do the most magnificent and great thing, but there's something inside of them that, that still is rotten to the core. These sins destroy not only relationship with each other, but with our walk with God. Uh, David would address this. He goes, yeah, I sinned alone and alone to you only. You know, when he was talking about uh, his sin with Beersheba there. That we ultimately sin against God. So we're to lay aside these old stinky clothes, these things that are, are filthy and disgusting. And we as Christians, you know, we should be ready to get rid of these things and not have them drag us down. 
They only weigh us down and hinder our relationships with each other and God. However, Paul now tells us what we are to do. So there's hope, right? We can just beat down with the law and law and law. And, you know, we can be beat over the head. You know, oh, man, Brother Will, you know, you know I'm, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible person. You know, I've, I've committed, you know, this sin and I, I, I'm just struggling with it. But, but God gives us hope. That's, that's where I want to start to focus and emphasize here, where Paul addresses too. So what are we to do? We're to put on these new clothes. You know, something that makes us feel great, you know, when, when we take off those old filthy rags and, and we get cleaned up. You know, as we were discussing about a job, you know, the first thing I'm thinking about after a hard day's worth of work and I'm hot and sweaty and stuff is, you know, getting cleaned up. And putting on those new clothes, that's just a, a sense of renewal. You know, I feel refreshed. I feel really good after that. And Paul addresses the same thing. by He says, by putting on. The imagery here is also putting on new clothes here. In contrast to what our old nature was. That it was being stripped away. Now, just a quick reminder as we're looking through and addressing Paul's words here. Um... Putting on these new clothes don't equate to us uh, at being an act of salvation. We don't do salvation. We can't work our own salvation, right? That's what Christ has done for us. You know, if I, if I look at these lists that we're going to see here, and like I do these perfectly, you know, I love, and, and you know, um, I, I sing these psalms, I do all these things, you know, now I'm saved, but that's, that's not the case. These are things that a Christian should actively be doing. But they do not save us by themselves. Only Christ alone does that. Our new self is being renewed in the image of the Creator. Look at verse 10 here. Now put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its Creator. So we're being renewed. We're being Continue. This is a continuation of a process. I think many of us would recognize, you know, um, as Christians, if you are if you are a professing believer, that as we walk, that we do stumble and fall at times. And this is sort of a progress. It's the theological term that we use is called progressive uh, sanctification. It's a progress throughout our life. We're not perfect yet. I haven't met a perfect person yet, a Christian or whatnot, right? So we recognize that there's still things that we have to work out and things that we need to crucify our own flesh. Uh, Romans 13, 14 says this, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desire. So, once again, this imagery here of putting on the Lord Jesus Christ and making no provision. So when we put on these new clothes, you know, that, that, and that uh, being hidden away in Christ, that protects us uh, with, our, with our salvation and with uh, temptation, our, our wandering away, our straying away from Him. Our identity also, as we look at verse 11, no longer comes from what we identify with in our past. This is sort of a big deal in the modern culture, you know. Who do you identify as? You know, maybe it's an ethnicity or a, a sexual orientation or maybe, you know, maybe your favorite sports team. You know, we sort of identify with certain different groups and, and things like that. That seems to be sort of um, the in vogue in our modern day culture. However, the Bible addresses that here. It says, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but who? But Christ is all. 
Our identity is unique in comparison to the rest of the world. Our identity is found in Christ, in Christ alone. Our new creation lifestyle. So we've talked about, you know, what are some of these sins that are to be addressed that we've put off? What are these things that we're going to be putting on? Our new garments, our new clothes. Put on these then. Uh, Verse 12, put on these God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So we have a, a good list here, right? These things are things we desire as Christians. We should desire to have inside of our own lives. They actually reflect the very character of God, His attributes, you know, compassion. We think of a compassionate God, do we not? We want to desire to be like that. We, want, we think of a, a kind God. We think of a, a humble God. He's, he's, not, uh, he's not Krauss or... or, um, or He's the exact opposite of many of the characteristics that we have as as human beings. We think of meekness and patience, bearing with one another. We think of a God who forgives here, too. And Paul ties us in here, forgiveness. What are we to do as Christians? We look down here in verse number 14. Above all, these put love... All right, I actually go back to verse 13, my bad. Bearing with one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So Christ has forgiven us, we likewise in return are to forgive one another. That's that's easy to say, but hard to do in practice, is it not? To forgive one another when people deeply wound us. But we can always look back to Christ and the cross and what he did for us. We deeply wounded the Father. He is holy. He is righteous. And even one sin, as the book of James says, you know, is is like breaking the whole, all the law. And we have grieved him. However, he still forgave us. So likewise, we as Christians, it's a a trait. It's a mark of a true Christian. Forgiveness and love. Our characteristics should mirror that of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love binds everything together in unity and harmony. When a body of Christ comes together and is in harmony, what's, what's one of the things we can already say? They love one another, right? I've heard uh, good things about this church here. Liberty Missionary Baptist, you go, uh, even from pastor, he's like, you know, this is a loving, kind, caring church. That's a, that's a mark of a true church, of, a, of a, a church that puts their faith and trust in Christ there. These are good things. Love binds everything and creates harmony inside the body. The Word teaches also, uh, it teaches us here that we are in verse number 16. That the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with uh, thankfulness in your hearts to God. So a few things here. The word, the teaching, wisdom, and worship. These are things as a result of putting on these new garments. We are going to be a people of the word. 
we're going to be a people of teaching. So a time of teaching, a time of preaching. There will be, you know, we will gain wisdom and knowledge of our risen Lord. We will also, this will create a, a sense of willingness to worship. When we are revealed this knowledge and this wisdom through his word, we will want to worship the one and true living king. Christ should be, prevailing, uh, should be the prevailing presence in all believers. Teaching and instruction is the manner in which we learn from the word, and we receive wisdom from teaching and instruction. In light of all this, we should want to worship him. Doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and giving thanks to the Father through him. Once again, we're offering our praises back up to God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. Well, let's talk a little bit about application this morning. Let us not be distracted by things of this earth. It's easy, like I mentioned before. Especially the day and age where, where there's you know 24-7 news cycles. You know We can get really bogged down. I can attest to that. My wife probably could attest. Like, Will can, you know, get bogged down by the things of this world from time to time. Right? We all can get this. We can be bogged down by this world. But let us not be distracted. Those are those, that's the old man there being drawn in. You know, when it comes to sins, we want to get rid of these things. We don't want to be tempted by these things. We want to, to have a way out. And Christ does. God does offer us a way out. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. All these things are common to each and every one of us. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. So temptations are going to come. That's a guarantee of life. They're going to come, and but God has given us a way out. And that's through His Son, Jesus Christ. We also recognize that uh, the Holy Spirit indwells all believers. And we are able to overcome these temptations and sin. He enables us to do it. If we just try to do these things in our own power, and our own might, we're just going to stumble and fall every single time. If we think we can do these things, you know, if I just try harder, if I try better, you know, if I become a better person, you know, you know, next time, God, I'll, I'll just, you know, I, I, you know, I'll just not watch TV or, or not, you know, go late at night and, and uh, plug into the computer or whatever it is, you know, whatever we wrestle or struggle with. Or next time, you know, I get in a fight with my wife, I'll try not to yell. You know, these things that we struggle and wrestle, if we try to do it in our own power and our own might, you're going to fail. It only can be enabled through the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells each and every one of us as believers. There's also other mechanisms and things that, that, that He has created. He's created the body of Christ. We take care of each other. If you're wrestling with an old sin, an old self, the old clothes you want to get rid of and, and you want deliverance, you know, ask for help. That's what we as a body of believers are to do. We're to encourage, admonish, help one another. Um, when we are weak and prone to temptation, having someone else alongside of you, encouraging you, counseling you, loving you can go a really long way, can it not? If you have that person right there, that could be a husband, wife, it could be the pastor, it can be the person right next to you in the pew today. You know, these people can be really help us through some really dark times. So let us encourage one another, forgive one another. Uh, this is the example Christ has set for us. He loved us and forgave us. 
So likewise, we should do the same with each other. So in conclusion here, if you are not at peace with God, you cannot have peace with mankind. We think the world's problems are going to be solved by simple ingenuity or technology or, you know, we just get rid of all the bad people, you know, we're, we're missing the point. We're not going to have peace with God. And ultimately, that's where it needs to rest. Matthew 22, 11 through 14. My daughter reminded me of this scripture here, of, of, uh, of the wedding feast. And the, the king had a wedding feast. He invited many people to come. And he recognized somebody didn't have the wedding garment on. And this is where we pick up in that parable Jesus was talking about. It says, but when the king came in to look at the guest, he saw that there was a man who had no wedding garment. And we've been talking about garments today, right? Putting on clothes. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. So he didn't have the right garment on, did he? He wasn't identified as part of the, the, the party that was, was to be there at the wedding feast. Likewise, if you're not in Christ, if you have not found faith in Christ, if you've not been, found Him as your Lord and Savior, if He has not called you out of sin, then you are like that person who is at the wedding feast without the wedding garment on. You will be cast out. Your new garments are found in the righteousness of Christ, not in the things that we do. They're found in Him and Him alone. Without these new wedding garments, without these new clothes, you will be cast out. My plea is to examine yourself. Uh, to not, do you still identify with the old man, the old garments there? Do sexual sins and disobedience to God's holy law mark you as an enemy with Him? Do you, uh, have you ever confessed with your mouth? And believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. These are questions you know we can ask ourselves. And we can rest assured if we have done these things, we are saved. We don't have to have doubt about these things. Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are your clothes that you wear old, soiled, stinky, and needing of replacing? Or are they pure and white and spotless? I urge you... To come to Christ today for those who have not. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Put your faith and trust in Him and flee to Christ alone. There is only one way to a life everlasting and that is through Jesus Christ. With that, uh, I conclude the message.